Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is the Budget-Minded Traveler Podcast, Episode 17. Welcome to the Budget-Minded Traveler Podcast, your source for the tips and tactics that will inspire and equip you to travel the world. And the best part? It won't break your bank. And now, the budget-minded traveler herself and your host, Jackie LaLainen. Hey guys, welcome to the Budget-Minded Traveler podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate you tuning in with me today for episode 17. Um, I am really excited about this episode, as usual, but um, we have a special guest today who has moved her life over to Germany. And there are so many questions that I had surrounding this subject of an American citizen moving to Germany. Um, and I am talking about Miss Stephanie Urban. And we're going to get talking with her today. Stephanie Urban is 31 years young, she says. <laughs> she grew up in the beautiful Flathead Valley of Northwest Montana. She studied business management at MSU here in Bozeman, actually, for two years before she decided to go back to her roots and do a year abroad in Berlin, during which she learned German and visited 12 different European countries. And upon returning to Bozeman, she then changed her major to English and did another semester in Eastern Germany, where she returned after graduating in 2006. She's now been living in the gorgeous city of Leipzig for seven and a half years and is a self-employed business English trainer and German to English translator who also facilitates courses for Leadership Management International. Her motto is leap and the net will appear. And I love that. I think you're really going to get a sense of that motto in this episode. Um, she also has a lot of other great one-liners that we're going to, that I actually have put on the show notes page, um, but you're going to hear them all today. And I'm really excited to get into this interview because if you noticed in that little bio that I was just reading to you there, it's, it's really easy to say, you know, she, she went and studied abroad in Germany. She moved back to Bozeman and then she just decided to move back over to Germany. And now she's been there for seven and a half years. Well, on paper, all it takes is a little period to, you know, separate those thoughts. But without a little help, we're not going to understand how that actually happened. And that is the purpose of this interview is to show what happened in between there, where how, how she was able to move her life overseas and, you know, find the legal way to stay, stay abroad, essentially. So um, I personally am very excited to learn about this because I'm sure I'm going to use it at some point. And I know that it's a popular question for a lot of travelers. You know, how, how do we stay in Europe? How do we go beyond the three months? And so um, hopefully this helps answer a lot of those questions for you guys as well. Um, and although we will be speaking specifically about Germany in this interview, I do think that it can apply um, to wherever you want to go because it'll at least get you thinking about the right questions to ask and the right places to look. So with that all being said, let's go ahead and get into the interview with Stephanie. 
Hey, Stephanie, welcome to the Budget Minded Traveler podcast. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on and talk to me. How are you today? I am excellent. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's. I am really excited to have you because I know that transitioning to Europe, especially um, of all places, is is really popular, and people have so many questions about how to make it work and all that. So I'm really hoping that you'll be able to shed some light on that for us. But um, before we get into that, I have given my listeners already a little bit of an introduction about you, but why don't you um, tell us who you are? Just take a little bit to, to tell us who is Stephanie. Okay, well, I will keep that short. Um, <laughs> right, I grew up in Kalispell, Montana, which is you know just across from the Canadian border up in the Rocky Mountains, and it's one of the most gorgeous places on earth, I say, to grow up and to retire. Um, you know, there are a lot of people who head to the big cities after college, and I was one of them. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I actually had a, a German grandmother who uh, her life was destroyed after the war, and so she married an American soldier, and they moved to New York. And so, you know, I have German blood, and she was so very, very dear to my heart that um, when she died in 2002, it really, really affected me, and still does. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, that was exactly the same time when I was thinking about studying abroad, but I didn't take a foreign language in high school. I took auto mechanics instead. (laughs) So So useful. (laughs) I didn't speak Spanish or German or French or anything. I didn't have any basics except for, you know, the colors and numbers that my, my Oma, my grandma had taught me. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, that was it. And I wanted to study in Australia or Ireland, But um, I was actually waitressing in Bozeman at the time. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I mentioned that I wanted to study abroad to one of the other waitresses. And she was around 33 or 34, I would say. And I told her I was thinking about studying abroad. And she got this dreamy look in her eyes. And she said, I wanted to study abroad. And I said, yeah, why didn't you? And she said, "Mm, I got pregnant. Hmm. Ah, you know, I was 19. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So yeah, I did what, you know, all smart girls do. And I pressed a nickel between my knees and I, you know, got all the information. Uh, But first, yeah, I mean, other girls had been telling me Berlin, go to Berlin. Somebody had studied in Berlin and she raved about it. Mm -hmm. And I said, are you crazy? (laughs) They speak German in Berlin and German is one of the hardest languages on the planet. I mean, Uh next to Russian. (laughs) So, yeah, but they were just raving about it. And I thought, okay, you know, my grandma just died. And there are all these questions that people have once a loved one has died that they might never get the answers to. And so I saw that as my opportunity to do this genealogical research and come back to the roots and see where my, my German grandma had grown up and, you know, see this amazing city that these girls were raving about. Right. Plus, it's very central in Europe. So mm-hmm. um, if anybody's thinking about studying abroad, Berlin is really amazing. And it's a springboard for Europe. I mean, you can go in all different directions for so cheap, you know, with EasyJet or Ryanair. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. it's just 
I mean, ridiculously cheap compared to American flights. Right. And so, yeah, I did that. But first I had to, I had to learn German. So I did a six week crash course in Germany and that was absolutely terrifying. But, um, after three weeks, I completely stopped speaking English and I spoke German for an entire year and I became fluent very quickly. And, uh, that year was, it's hard to say as I get older that that was the best year of my life because they seem to be one-upping each other as I get older. I can totally relate to that. And you know what? They do say that it just keeps getting better. So you might as well start with the best year when you're young so that they can just keep getting better. Yeah. (laughs) So let's back up a little bit. What year was that that you decided to study abroad? That was 2003. 2003. So did you go 03-04? Exactly. I did the crash course in 2003 in summer. And then in uh, fall, I was able to enroll at the university in Berlin at one of the universities. And yeah, I had two semesters there. And the first semester I lived in an international dorm. So a lot of those people went home second semester and I just, you know, tagged along after them during uh, spring break. And I got to visit friends in 12 different countries during spring break just that's from so having great. met them that first semester. Yeah. And that's completely changed my life, you know? I mean, oh, I, yeah. mm-hmm. that's how I travel. I visit people. Mm-hmm. It's so great. I call that um, collecting friends all over the world because, yes. you know, even like, for example, couch surfing or something at home, you host people from other countries. It's like, all right, right I'm going to be knocking on your door so one day, cool. you know? I mean, wherever Absolutely. you go, meeting yeah, people, and people in hostels. Yeah, people are like, serious. They say, yeah, come on, you know, mm-hmm. like, come Definitely. over. Definitely. That's the, the nature of the traveler. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, so this program that you did in Germany originally, you did a crash course. Was that, was it part of a study abroad program, like through your school? I'm just curious. It was, yes. Um, MSU Bozeman helped me set that up. They had a partner university um, in Lutherstadt Wittenberg, which is very close to, well, it's not far from Leipzig, so it's about an hour south of Berlin. And, you know, they helped me set up a host family and the host family helped me do everything once I got there, you know, with cell phone and bank account and all of that. Okay. So that was your first year in Germany. And then what happened? You came back to the States because that's when I met you. So I know you were back. I just bounced back and forth. That's all I've been doing. Um, So my first two years were in Bozeman. My third year was in Berlin. Then I had three semesters in Bozeman. And you know that feeling, you're not homesick. You are, they call it Fernweh in German. And that's like longing to travel. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. and you feel torn between home and abroad Mm -hmm. and you don't really feel like you belong anywhere anymore. You feel like you belong all over the place. Yes. And your heart is completely scattered all over the place. I think we actually just real quick, we were in the same place at that time because I studied abroad 0304 in Costa Rica and you had been in Germany that year and then we came back. And so you guys, I actually met Stephanie in an Italian class, which, um, um, That's right. My listeners know where that went because then I actually ended up going to Italy after that. But exactly. this is how I know you is from that Italian class. That's exactly um, right. That's where it was. So I completely understand what, what you're saying right now. You just feel torn. I mean, you leave part of yourself somewhere. Obviously, you're going to be missing that. So, yeah. 
Yeah, but, you'll never be the same again. No. But I think that's a good thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. You know, you're just your mind is opened and yeah. you're at home all over the world all of a sudden. Yes, that's exactly it. Yeah. So then yeah. you must have gone back. Um, right. Because you had three so, semesters in Bozeman. So I'm assuming there's a but or something. Yeah. There. Then I then I had that that longing to go back and I got a scholarship in Halle, which is also about an hour south of Berlin. And I didn't particularly like Halle from what I'd seen of it. But, you know, this scholarship paid for my room and board. And I thought Berlin is so close. I can go anytime. But um that was the summer of 2006, and I ended up meeting someone, and, uh, you know, it was a very hot summer, 2006, <laughs> and one day at the park, I jokingly asked him uh, if he would want to move to Berlin with me after I finished studying, because I only had two semesters left, and uh, I had changed my major to English in the meantime, <laughs> which uh, very, very much upset my father, having changed my major from business management to English literature. Uh, he, of course, asked how I was planning to make a living with that bachelor's, and so I told him, I think I told him before I asked my boyfriend to move with me, that I was going to move back to Berlin. Mm -hmm. and teach English. And uh, that didn't seem so plausible at the time to him. Mm -hmm. But I was serious. And uh, this is the kind of person that I am when people say, oh, really? Have you thought about that? That's going to be really hard. You know, it's not going to be the same as studying there. That was like a dare to me. A challenge. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, Right. I asked my, my former boyfriend if he would like to move to Berlin with me after I finished studying, and he said, why not? And I said, yeah, why not? What am I going to do with a bachelor's in English after I graduate? So, um, yeah, we got really serious really fast, and I ended up slamming my last two semesters into one semester. I had to go back to Bozeman for that, mm -hmm. and uh, that was... The closest thing to suicide I've ever done. Oh, man. Uh, so much studying and waitressing 20 hours a week and just trying to keep that long-distance relationship alive with, you know, eight hours difference. Right. It was exhausting. I was an emotional and physical wreck by the time I graduated in December of 2006. And uh, I, I got on a plane two weeks after I finished the semester. And... Uh, the, yeah, it, I was a wreck <laughs> when I moved here. <laughs> well, of course. I've been there too, yeah. But yeah. you're still there, which is I'm interesting. So, And when I came, everybody asked, how long do you plan on staying? And I said, mm, you know, I, I could see five years max. That's even yeah. a lot. I mean, that's a yes, lot. In the beginning. Yes, exactly. Yeah. When you have um, absolutely pretty much no game plan. Um, can I back up real quick? This is, I just heard you mention something, but this is the way that I work. You said that you got a scholarship and I'm really curious, were you, um, actively researching opportunities to get back over to Germany? Were you, how did you find that scholarship? Because I know these resources are out there. I actually got one for my Italian, um, my year in Italy too, which was amazing. But I was actively searching for anything that would help fund me get abroad. Um, and I think it's worth mentioning because this is how we Definitely. afford these things, you know? And so right. how did you find that scholarship? Well, I mean, I went to the international department at MSU Bozeman and I got really close with those guys. Mm -hmm. um, just being in there all the time, reading all this different information they had. And 
I mean, due to the fact that I'd studied there before and that I, I also minored in German studies then, um, but I had really good grades and I was just super motivated to get back over here and they authorized it. So, so, I mean, it's not, I don't think it's just a matter of good grades. I think it's really your willpower and, you know, the, yeah, the enthusiasm that you show for getting back there, you know, they can see exactly. if that's genuine or not. Yeah, that's great. That's a good resource. So the international department at your school helped you set that one up. That's awesome. So they're so helpful. And it's even more motivating to go in there because oftentimes there are people who've, you know, spent a lot of time abroad and it's, it's absolutely addicting, you know, it's, it's addictive and addicting and everything that goes along with it. I was on a first name basis with the people at my study abroad department at my school too. That's the only office I visited in my entire university, but, um, (laughs) yeah. Okay. So one more thing that I noticed in there that I wanted to ask you about real quick before we move on is, um, is that you, had some friction with this decision with your family. And that's also a big thing. A lot of Mm -hmm. students and young, you know, younger travelers especially deal with that. Um, So how, how did that go? I mean, was it okay? What did you have to do to convince your dad that you were making the right decision? Well, that, that was really hard, you know, because, you know, it's a long distance. I think it's about 8,000 kilometers from here to my parents. And don't ask me what that is in miles. I still <laughs> hate conversions. I hate conversions. <laughs> you're, it's okay. You're German by now. We it's understand. A long way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, the thing was also that I had this boyfriend over here. And when I said goodbye to my dad at four o'clock in the morning, um, you know, he said, I hope he takes care of you. And I said, you know, he, dad, he treats me so well. And, you know, he's, yeah, we're, we're going to do this. And, you know, of course people said, you know, if you, anytime you want to, even if you can't afford it, just call me and I'll fly you home, Mm -hmm. you know? And so it was really, I knew I had a lot of support at home. You just have to make the people at home understand that this is an adventure that you don't want to miss. Yes. You know, it's going to be hard. And sometimes you have no idea how hard it's going to be, you know, emotionally, Mm -hmm. financially. It's sometimes exhausting. And probably for the first three years, I asked myself, why am I doing this to myself? Why am I putting myself through these bureaucratic hoops? And Mm -hmm. why am I putting up with this? But I mean, seven and a half years later, I'm in a position where I think, oh, this is so awesome. That's so great to hear. And I love what you just touched on, actually. Um, That was something that was brought up in, um, I think it was episode six. I I interviewed a guy who's long-term traveling. Um, He's been on the road for a couple of years. And one of his biggest pieces of advice was, you know, always keep a contingency budget, which basically would foot your bill home should you need it. And, you know, he said in that episode, you are even from wherever you are in the world, however far away you go, you're 24 hours from home, you know, if you just buy that flight. And so maybe that's a really good thing to use as a, you know, as a great, um, not excuse, but like a comfort to tell your family, by the way, I can come home if anything goes wrong. You know, if, if if some, if it doesn't turn out to be what I want it to be, I can come home. Yeah. So that's great. 
Awesome. And I mean, I've said that to some of my German friends who've moved to the States, you know, because I just know how much that impacted me just to, uh, to have people saying that, you know, she, she married an American and they have a, a daughter now. And I told her one time, you know what? You are not stuck there. Mm-hmm. You do not have to stay there. You can come home anytime you want. And she almost started crying and she said, thank you so much for saying that. Because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, you're not, you're not really doing it to prove something to other people. You're doing it to prove something to yourself. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, that's, uh, yeah, that was the reason why I made it through the first three years was because I, even though it was, it was rough in the beginning, I didn't want to throw in the towel. I didn't want to admit defeat. Right. You know, I mean, I probably would have been in the same position at home anyways. Yeah. That's when the economic crisis started. And mm-hmm. what was I going to do with a bachelor's in English? <laughs> yeah. No, you might as well be in Germany. Yeah. Exactly. Um, that's great. Okay. So let's thank you for revisiting that with me. Cause that was actually, um, I think really good, but so moving on, we know now that you have spent a year abroad in Germany and then another semester and then busted it out so that you could move back as soon as possible. So I have so many questions about that Um, because there's so many things that go into that. I mean, the logistics of just Mm -hmm. moving your life to Europe. You are an American citizen. You have one passport, correct? Still am. Uh Okay. So how does one go about, I mean, did you do this legally? Were you, did you have visa job? Like, what did you do? Can you shed some light on that for us, please? (laughs) I would be delighted to. Um, right. So I, I think I said before that I came over with basically no game plan, but I did come over with a German boyfriend waiting for me. Right. Okay. And that, of course, was very convenient um, because I could move into his apartment when I got here. I basically like uh, holed up in his apartment for two months because I was destroyed. Mm. And um it was February. It was January and February. Who doesn't want to hole up in an apartment? Yeah, so, exactly. Right. But when I got here, I came over on a tourist visa. And that was valid for three months. So for three months, I, you know, I basically had no um, obligation to check in anywhere. Right. Right. I was a tourist for three months. And after three months... Um, you know, he was supporting me. I uh, I came over with absolutely no money. Hmm. I mean, I think I had $800 on my American account. Wow. Uh, but I also had student loans that were going into repayment pretty soon. Right, because you graduated, yeah. Yes. So I left that on my American account and, uh, you know, was fortunate enough to have a, a significant other who floated me for the first three months. And by float, I mean, we barely kept our heads above water. Mm -hmm. I lost all that beer weight. He put (laughs) me on a bike. I mean, my Montana driver's license was not valid here. Mm -hmm. Some of the driver's licenses from the States are valid in Germany, but it depends on the driving conditions where you're from. Really? recognized or not. Yes. That's interesting because so, we rented a car in Germany just last yeah, year. Yeah, you can rent it. Exactly. <laughs> oh, as a okay. tourist, you can drive okay. in Germany, but not <laughs> as a resident. Okay. So coming from Montana, you know, because you know what Montana driving is like. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you got one foot out the window. <laughs> 
they don't trust it's an us. Automatic. <laughs> There's yeah. no streetcar. Um, but no, I mean, in the beginning, it felt like I was uh, 14 again because I could only get everywhere by bike, which is fine because this city is great for cycling. Um, yeah, and I got to know the city really well that way. But in the beginning, I was a little bitter about that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, well, then after three months, I had to get a residence permit. So I had to go down to the citizen's office and I had to tell them, okay, this is my address here. And, um, right. So that is absolutely mandatory after three months of a tourist visa. How did you, you have to at least register. With how did you know how to do that? I mean, right. just how did you so, know how to do that? Actually, um, I called up the U S consulate. Okay in Leipzig and I got an appointment and I went through the metal detectors and everything and mm -hmm. I got in and they basically just gave me a booklet called how to Germany and they have a website for that called howtogermany.com awesome. and it's full of all the information you need and so that was you know in there for work permits and residence permits and uh, mm -hmm. health insurance and all of that so that helped me and I also asked them you know do you know where I can get a job <laughs> yeah I need to start working and they said we can't help you with that okay we're not allowed to point you to to different companies so you know you're on your own for that and yeah so I got my residence permit and was that hard no, it wasn't. What was that? Just an application? And what does that do for you? Well, it allows you to reside legally in the country. You make it right? sound so easy. Is it, it really that it easy? It sounds easy. But then in order to stay, you also have to, you know, get employment and show proof of health insurance. Okay. And uh, so, yeah. And you also have to show proof of financial stability, meaning you should have some kind of startup money when you Income come, or which I did not have. Yeah. More than $800 essentially. Exactly. Yeah. So the residence permit, they, they award you with conditions basically. Exactly. Did exactly. it cost you That's money? That's not going to be your first visit either. Okay. Um, or your only visit. I mean, uh, I can't remember if it cost me anything, but if it did, it was minimal. Okay. I mean like under 50 euros or something. It wasn't that bad. Okay. Yeah, so, um, right, so I had to show proof of financial security, and since I didn't have any money, uh, my boyfriend's parents showed proof uh, of financial security for me, and also wrote a letter saying that they were financially responsible for me from this date until that date. Okay. So I have to say, you know, in getting started here, um, him and his family were very, very, very helpful and bent over backwards whenever I needed anything. Right. So, you know, that was, I mean, I, I recommend that to anybody who studies abroad or lives abroad, you know, get, get a boyfriend or a girlfriend from that country because <laughs> it will just make your life so much easier and you'll learn the language so fast. That's one way to do it. Don't it speak really English is. with them. Yeah. <laughs> right. So um, I um, think good friends can, can do the same and you never know where you're going to find those people. So just, exactly. you know, keep an open mind about that. But yeah, that's sure. really good to know. Yeah. Continue, please. So, right. I mean, I had to show proof of financial security. And then I had come over with um, an American travel insurance, travel health insurance. Okay. And in order to stay, then I had to get German health insurance, which is mandatory for all citizens. And, um, yeah, I think I got one for like $100 a month. It was not bad. 
Okay. It, I mean, it had a um, a deductible of like a thousand, uh, so I just tried not to get sick, mm-hmm. which is harder said than done. But um, yeah, so that was the thing with the health insurance that I had to have German health insurance. Um, so, I mean, there was a lot of running around applying for this and lots of photocopying. And this was 2007, the beginning of 2007. And, uh, it seemed like things were just becoming more digitalized over here. I mean, it's not that long ago, but you know, like 2004, the cell oh, yeah. phones we had back then and how expensive it was to call home. And yeah. 2007 mm. wasn't much better. No, I, I know what you mean. I still had a flip phone, I think, you know, yeah, at that definitely. time. And we still had to, at least we had Skype then. Like I remember in sure. 03, 04 studying abroad, we literally used calling cards and I could only like talk to my exactly. parents like once a week because it was so expensive. Exactly. And exactly. there's no Facebook, you know, so I, I get it. It's, hey, it's Facebook changed a lot. Started Oh, Facebook got going when I moved over here and I was hooked. Yeah. Well, and it's my, an amazing thing for keeping in touch is, across the world. Is. Yeah. People complain about Facebook and I know, I mean, I know what they're doing with it, but this is my lifeline home, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, and it makes, I mean, it makes that 8,000 kilometers just shrink because like you said, it could take you 24 hours to get home. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know who can get, it's not just the time it's the money also <laughs> right of course yeah yeah so yeah facebook has been also very 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 helpful in keeping me over here because it doesn't feel that far away yeah you know it could take me 24 hours to get home if i were living in the states yeah <laughs> you're right about that if i were driving or something like that i mean even flying it depends yeah so so, so how long did this residence sense. permit last Right. Well, then I had to apply for the uh, the work permit or the work visa. Okay. At first, I had to find a job because they will not issue that if you don't have work. Okay. So the thing is, what yeah, a catch twenty two. That's annoying. I know. Yeah. Right. It's like which one yeah. comes first? Yeah. Um, and I also had basically no idea where to look for work because the consulate hadn't helped me at all, mm-hmm. and uh, it came down to it that. Uh, one of my friends pulled out an old school telephone book. It was the yellow pages. Mm-hmm. And he said, here, language institutes. Here they all are. And I basically went through that like super old school <laughs> and, you know, copied out the ones I liked or that sounded interesting or were close enough or whatever. And, you know, I spent the time calling them up and you know my German was fluent by then but it telephoning in a foreign language is so intimidating oh yeah definitely and it's harder to understand too I mean through through a microphone of any kind so yeah yeah this is so so interesting it's so old school I love it though (laughs) but one thing that I found that I still sometimes do when I call people on the phone and I know I'm going to have to talk to them in German is that um, in the beginning I tell them I'm American and my German's not perfect yet, even though my German's pretty good by now. Mm-hmm. Um, they that just you know you don't know who's on the other end of the line, and if they think that your German is really good and it's not, or any language, you know they might just take off and <laughs> you're like on a horse without a saddle. Yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I always prep them for that. 
this is not my my native language. Mm-hmm. So please, please bear with me. And then the, it's like butter. They're like, oh, I can understand you so well. Oh, my gosh. If my English <laughs> were as good as your German, I would be so happy. That's so and great. Then that just totally paves the way for the entire conversation. And That's at a the good end, strategy. They always tell me your German is really good, even though it's not perfect. And I don't think it ever will be. And I don't think it ever has to be, you know, because there's, Mm -hmm. there's so much charm that goes into accents and Mm -hmm. making grammatical mistakes. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah, but prepping them in the beginning, that's really important. So I called all these, um, all these language institutes up and, uh, you know, a lot of them were, very interested. And I got interviews very quickly. Wow. And so the thing was that teaching English here, at least, I mean, I didn't, I didn't really want to teach at the international school in Leipzig, um, just because I'd heard, yeah, I don't know. I didn't want to be in one little, um, expat ecosystem, if you will. Yeah. So, um, Yeah, I applied to all different kinds of private language institutes, and most of those institutes cannot offer teachers full-time employment. So there are a lot of freelancers, and basically mostly only freelancers. And I did not know what freelancing entailed. So Mm -hmm. anyways, I... uh, yeah, I started applying and doing interviews, and uh, the thing is, with freelancing, you have to teach at at least two different institutes to be considered a freelancer. Okay. So, basically, for the first two years, I ran around, um, you know, picking up two hours here, four hours there, eight hours there, until I'd scraped together around 30 hours a week. Hmm. And I was teaching, you know, from two-and-a-half-year-olds to 72-year-olds in every kind of English you can imagine. And I learned so much from my students. And, I mean, those first two years were hard because it was, like, you know, a lot of shifting, like, from from jumping around with the kids, singing and dancing. An hour and a half of that is exhausting physically. Yeah, and then as, going to as work well with as 70. your voice. Yeah. yeah, and then, you know, and then I was also teaching at um, business schools. So I also had business English, which is a whole nother ballgame. It's just crazy. So in teaching business English to German students, I was forced to learn business German because I had to prepare and I had to correct their work. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of translating. So... That really, really, really helped me out. I mean, it was exhausting in the beginning, but um, that paved the way for what I'm doing now, and I really know to appreciate it. So um, the work, you you were able to get enough hours to call yourself a freelancer. This is how it started, right? Mm, exactly. And then yeah, so you they, have to work at these two places. Okay, so and then they awarded you the work visa? Exactly. And that was limited to one year. One the first year. Time. Okay. Exactly. So you had to show after a year that you had been paying taxes in Germany. And that's another thing is that, you know, you have to pay the taxes here. But then since I'm still a U.S. citizen, I have to report them. I have to report my income to the IRS, but I don't have to pay any taxes in the U.S. Okay. 
This is good Which to means know. I'm also not paying into Social Security, uh, which is fine with mm, me because good for you. <laughs> paying into the German retirement fund now, which is hopefully a lot more stable. <laughs> but um, that's a huge thing that um, has also affected my staying here is that uh, when I started freelancing, people asked me if I was required to pay into the German retirement fund. And everyone that I knew here and a lot of my ex-boyfriends, parents and friends were professionals, you know, doctors, lawyers, you name it. Mm -hmm. And um, everybody told me, you're a freelancer. You're not required to pay into the German federal retirement fund. So don't contact them. If they contact you, ignore them and don't wake the beast, you know? Yeah. Okay. So I didn't. And, um, right. I, I went back to the foreigners authority to get my second work, work permit after a year. And they granted that to me. And then after another two years, so I guess this was, it was 2011 that I applied for my next, uh, work permit. And the foreigners authority asked me if I was required to pay into the German federal retirement fund. And I said, no. And they said, are you sure? And I said, uh, pretty no. sure. <laughs> <laughs> and they said, okay, well you might be required to. So we need you to contact the retirement office and mm. formally ask them if you're required to pay in. So I was forced to do that in order to get this next work permit. Okay. Right. And the retirement fund uh, wrote back to me and said, yes, actually, fun. Yeah. you are required to pay in. You can start doing so now. And you're also required to, to pay back everything that you were supposed to pay in since you started working. No. And I laughed my head oh, off. Oh, no. It was 9,000 euros. <gasps> oh, no. What Which did you do? Did you could you laughed, do it? I laughed and laughed and laughed. And then I started asking people, "Do you think this is for real?" And they said, "Oh, you have to file an objection so we can win some time, you know, gain gain mm. some time." And I said, "This can't be serious. They cannot I mean, I just paid back 9,000 euros, which is like which is like $12,000, $13,000 on my student loans. So if this is for real, this puts me back at square one. And I'm going to be very upset if this put me back at square one. Because, you know, one of the major reasons for staying over here was to earn euros mm -hmm. during mm -hmm. an economic crisis in the U.S. with right. a bachelor's in English. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um... Yeah, we objected to this, and I got a lawyer, and she, um, you know, wrote a letter on my behalf, and nope, you are required to pay that back. No. And I didn't know any freelance English teachers from the U.S., England, Ireland, Scotland, mm. New Zealand, or Australia, Right. So the people from uh, the United Kingdom, of course, you know, they don't have to apply for work visas because, you know, most of them are part of the EU. And um, as a European Union citizen, you don't have to jump through those hoops. And so but I mean, people from Australia or New Zealand, I hadn't heard of anyone who had had to pay this much money back or in. And so, um, yeah. I, I asked the federal retirement fund 
in Berlin, what would happen if I just went home? Yeah. What if I just took off? I mean, this is ridiculous. Yeah. I'm, and I'm the only one I know, and I'm the only one anyone knows who is having to pay this. Yeah, no kidding. Why me? And they said, don't worry, Miss Urban, we will get everyone in the boat with you. Oh, don't geez. you worry. And that was, you know, a small consolation to me because I'm trapped between a rock and a hard place. This was like, okay, I just spent four years setting up a life over here. I have friends, mm -hmm. colleagues, I have a dog, I have a piano, I have a gorgeous apartment in the city center that's affordable. I don't want to leave. Hmm. And, you know, so it was like, a, and I asked her, what would happen if I just ditched? And she said, this is existing debt that must be paid back. Otherwise, you will be refused re-entry into Germany. Oh, if no. If you ever want to come back to Germany. So that was the thing. It was like, oh. <gasps> I wouldn't be able to come visit. You no. know, this is like my second home. Right. That's like this unacceptable. Like my first home now. So, yeah, it was like, hmm, which one is worse? And so with a lot of uh, correspondence and, I mean, at least hiring this lawyer, which cost about $300, um, she at least got them to understand that I'm paying back my student loans. In the beginning, I mean, I was... I was able to pay my bills and go on some cheap vacations around Europe, but not much more. And so um, they put it on ice for three years, and they um, deleted or you know dropped the uh, interest that had been accruing on it and the late fees, which had also you know that was like two thousand dollars in late fees. They dropped all of that and they said, okay, we're going to give you three years to pay this back. And uh, in the meantime, you should get yourself into a better economic situation mm -hmm. <laughs> because at the rate you're going, uh, yeah, you're going to have to save every month. So, right. And that, I would say, that was the impetus which pushed me to say, okay, this freelancing stuff is good, but, you know, when it comes down to it, I'm not making enough money to pay back this retirement debt and my student loans. So that was the point where I said, I'm not, I'm not really greedy. I mean, one of my other favorite quotes is that the, the best things in life aren't things. I love mm. buying experiences. Yes. And, you know, that's what traveling is, is yeah. buying experiences. And um, so, yeah, but this was really an economic decision. I need more money. And that's when I said, you know what? I'm going to become self-employed. I'm going to jack up my rates and I'm going to find my target market that can afford those rates. And I'm going to get out there and I'm going to market myself because my German was good enough by that point. And you so, did. I did. And I had started building up a private clientele on the side. So I was teaching at different institutes, but then I started acquiring private uh, clients and mostly business people who, you know, really wanted to improve their speaking skills, especially. And, you know, there are a lot of false friends between German and English. And so I can basically, I can really expect or anticipate what my, what my clients want to say. And if they use the wrong word, like irritate is different than irritieren. Uh, like, you know, there, there are words between certain uh, languages that are so similar that you think they must have the same meaning, but Co they don't. Yeah, false cognates. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd gotten my German to a good enough level that I was able to offer, you know, these kind of services to private clients in the business world. And so they would write my invoices off of their taxes. Everybody is happy. I'm charging $80 an hour. And, you know, I'm paying back my student loans. I'm, I'm you know, I've pretty much already got that retirement debt paid off. And oh, wow. I mean, I'm, I'm working like 11 hours a week now. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. A week. Yeah. Yeah. Some people hours a day. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> so, I mean, I just feel like it was so difficult in the beginning, but everything is paid off, you know, and <laughs> literally, now, yeah, literally. <laughs> so that's, you know, now when people ask me if, uh, if I'm going back to the States anytime soon, I say no. Yeah. Cause you just, you just earned your keep <laughs> to stay in Germany. So. Yeah. Why would I want to start all over? Yeah. And I mean, what am I going to do over there with a the bachelor's in English? Right. But, wow. um, yeah, so that's been a major reason to stay over here. And I also got involved with uh, a company from the States that's only been in Germany since 2009. They're called Leadership Management International. And they offer leadership classes for management level and up, but they also have one for people between 15 and 30 called The Making of a Champion. And so I was actually at one of the trade fairs here and I was I was out there doing acquisitions for, you know, private clients to to get together uh, to scrape together some more private clients and uh, I ran into this businessman who ended up acquiring me as a facilitator to offer their courses in English. And uh, so, you know, they'd been offering their courses in English, but didn't have a trainer, yeah. <laughs> or at least not a native speaker. So, yeah, I mean, I've, I've um, put, I, you know, in German, they say to put your eggs in a lot of different baskets. I kind of look at my work like a, an investment portfolio now, you know, I couldn't, I really couldn't imagine anymore having one job because uh, the existential fear of losing one job is too big for me. You mm -hmm. know, I have like 12 jobs right now. <laughs> I mean, so, so it's just... kind of like still being freelance, but I'm, you know, yeah. considered self-employed. But I love that you're making it work and you figured it out. You were the, you were the trailblazer of your own, you know, path essentially. And you figured it out. And I think one of the things that people can really take away from this is to, complete your research at the beginning. You know, if, if you're going to be moving to another country, make sure that you are paying into everything you need to pay into. Cause that was a big one to come back and right. bite you afterwards. But, but I mean, and there are a lot of logistics. I mean, I remember when I was applying, well not applying, but when I was going to go study abroad in Italy uh, and you probably had to do this too, get the visa for the Schengen States. Um, and that was a pain, you know I mean? I had to like fly to Vegas for that. And there was a lot of paperwork and a lot of things you have to do, but you know what? What? I didn't actually have to do that. Oh, it must've been something just Sounds with terrible. studying in Italy, but, <laughs> but I mean, it was a lot of work, but you know what, once that's over, like then you exactly. just get to live it. And it's like having a baby. I've never had a baby, but <laughs> me I mean, either. I haven't had a baby yet. But, um, you know, people say, you don't remember the pain, you know, once you have them in your arms, mm -hmm. Okay. you totally forget the pain and it was excruciating. <laughs> 
I mean, I can't relate. I don't know, but yeah. No, no, that's I, just what I've heard. But I, I mean, can imagine. I yeah, yeah, because it is a you lot have of to go through so much paperwork. Yeah, but it's there's so a lot. worth it, and you mm-hmm. never think about it once you're through it. Right, right, right. So that's that's this has been great. I feel like you answered a lot, and really, kind of. I mean, to me, the way that I think about this is just like, that's just like this dark thing that I don't know what exists there when you move abroad. I don't know how to make that legal. And you just like shed light on it, like literally. So yeah, but it's like I can is, see that just, now. You just got to work up the the motivation and the uh, the courage because it takes a lot of courage. Um, you know, just, just listen to your heart. Mm-hmm. And that sounds cliche, but really, you know, like... If you have any inclination to do it, you should do it because that regret's going to eat you alive if you don't. Mm-hmm. I definitely say that too. That's great. Yeah. And just making it, I mean, you've done it. It's doable. A lot of people have done it. And you know what? We're yeah. like a generation of back to the roots because when people talk about Americans, I'm like, who are you talking about? Well, yeah. <laughs> You know, we're a country of immigrants, and it's so fascinating. It's absolutely breathtaking to see where you came from. Mm-hmm, definitely. I agree. Then have the locals take you in like you're one of their own, because you kind of are. But, mm-hmm. I mean, no matter where it is, whether you're from there or not, I mean, if you're even thinking about it, go. Just make it happen. <laughs> Those are the exact words that I use. <laughs> really, like, that's make it exactly. happen. It's I not going it. to fall into your lap. And yeah. nothing good in life just falls into your lap. You've got to grab it. Yeah, you've got to make it a priority. But, I mean, you can do it. It's definitely possible. So, so doable. Yeah. So, um, that really kind of leaves me with one last question and you kind of already answered it, but I, I wanted to know what your plans for the future are. Cause I was going to ask if you're planning on coming back anytime soon or what, um, I mean, you have a life there yeah. now you have a dog, you have a piano. You said yeah. those are big things that you can't really move. <laughs> I mean, I can um, take the dog with me. I can sell the piano, but The thing is, it's the relationships that I've built here. If I Mm -hmm. even mention it, uh, that I'm like, I I borrowed some moving boxes when I moved into my new apartment three years ago. Mm -hmm. And the lady who loaned them to me said, you know, you can use them. They were brand new, really nice moving boxes. She said, but I'd like to have them back. No problem. No problem. I put them in my basement and they molded. Of course, I can't give her back these boxes. So when she calls me up three years later and says, oh, do you still have those boxes? I'm like, oh, yeah, come on over, you know, and I run to the hardware store and buy new boxes. And my neighbor saw me with these moving boxes Uh and and like three people were like what are you doing with those moving boxes I said I'm returning them to (laughs) someone I borrowed them from they're like oh god I thought you were moving yeah but yeah that's the thing you can always go home it's always an option but Mm -hmm. the longer you stay the harder it is because you have two homes now Mm -hmm. you know yep yeah. So, mm-hmm. I mean, for the for the near future, and I, I talk in like five-year increments. I think five years is realistic. Ten years is a little too vague for my taste. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, I'm going to stay here and uh, keep doing what I'm doing now because I've also started doing German to English translations and I do English proofreading and I can do a lot of stuff at home. You know, I mean, I almost feel like I'm retired. Yeah, which is good awesome. because I'm paying into the retirement fund. You good? Yeah. <laughs> oh, geez. but I have so much free time, and I can I can allocate my time as I as I wish. And, uh, you know, I'm just enjoying a lifestyle over here that's really healthy. I, I cycle everywhere. I still don't own a car. I do car sharing. And it's just so easy and affordable. And I, it forces me to move. And I'm, I'm actually kind of lazy, you know. I don't mm -hmm. have an elevator, mm -hmm. so I'm forced to do stairs. Mm -hmm. And I have a bike, and I get to, you know, ride through the parks instead of sitting in a traffic jam. And, you know, it's it's like... People really socialize in the parks here, and it's just a community that I absolutely adore. And it's big enough, but small enough, and it has everything you can imagine that a big city has, but it has a small town feeling. And yeah, so right now it's like I would rather that people come to visit me than me go home. And um, I'm also going to try to stop commuting back and forth to the States so often which often I mean like once or twice a year. Mm -hmm. um, I just booked a trip to Australia for next spring. Nice. And I'm taking my sister with me. She's flying from Seattle and I'm flying from Germany. And we're going to meet in Melbourne. And uh, we're going to rent a camper and camp up the coast to the Great Barrier Reef over the span of a month. Wow. So that's, you know, instead of flying home, I'm flying to Australia next. Right. I yeah. love what you have just described. Your life sounds awesome, really. I mean, I know, of course, it's still, it's still, you know, has its ups and downs of life, but yeah, um, I love that you went out and got what you wanted, essentially. You just made it happen. And perseverance. You what'd know, you say? Their perseverance is the key. Mm -hmm. You know, there are going to be some really tough times, but, you know, just keep the communication lines open. And, you know, I think really the, the biggest thing is that, you know, life is really like a mirror and what you put out there is going to be reflected. It is, you know, the way you approach people, if you approach them with trust and understanding and compassion, that's going to come right back at you. And that's been my experience over here. You know, they say the Germans are, oh, they say they're cold and rude. And that can be true, but it depends on how you approach them. And I think that's true in any country. You know, if it you is. approach them with respect and dignity and understanding and humor, humor is very important. <laughs> while being respectful <laughs> yeah <laughs> then um you know only good things can come to you that's so great you gotta create your own reality that's so so great um thank you again so much for sharing all of this with us it's been just been awesome pleasure. uh is there anywhere that just in case people want to say hi to you or um want more information i don't know about what you do do you have a website or anything where people can go Yes. Um, my website is www. Stephanie, S T E P H A N I E hyphen urban, U R B A N dot D E. Dot D E. Okay. I'm going to put that on the show notes page. Yeah. It's in German everything. and English. So. Awesome. It should be because you're the translator, right? Yeah. <laughs> Showcasing right there. 
Exactly. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, this is so awesome. Thank you so much um, you, for sharing. Jackie. And um, I guess we'll. My pleasure. I guess we'll talk to you soon. All right. Definitely. And you have to let me know next time you're here for Oktoberfest. Oh, you know I will. Because <laughs> I've only been once. That's shameful. <laughs> <laughs> but I was on the clock, and that's awesome. That is awesome. I remember reading about that. That's so great. <laughs> if you're going to go to Oktoberfest, you know, be yeah. on the clock. Heck yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, we'll talk to you later. Thank Thanks so much. All right. Talk to you later. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. If you have ever been to Germany or, you know, well, if you've ever been to Germany, then you know that people don't just say choose. They say choose. They sing it. And it just means like ciao, like in any other language, um, just a way to say goodbye. But I love that she did that because I just love that word sing in a sing song voice like that. But anyway, um, I really hope that you guys have enjoyed this interview and that you've learned something from it. I know that I have. Wow. And she's super inspiring. I love the things that she says, you know, just about if you have any inclination to do it, you should do it because that regret is just going to eat you alive. If you're even thinking about it, go just make it happen. And I know you've heard those words before, and there's a reason for that. Even if it costs a lot, I mean, either financially or emotionally or anything, you know, it will cost a lot, but it's going to be worth it, guaranteed. In one way or another, you will grow. It'll be worth it. As always, you can find the show notes for this page. Um, there's a couple of links there as well as Stephanie's website. If you want to say hi to her, um, you can find all that at thebudgetmindedtraveler.com slash 17. And there you also find a comment section if you have more questions about this um, and want to keep the conversation going. You have an opportunity to do that there. And one more thing before I go for this episode, um, before Stephanie and I got on this interview, we were having a little pre-chat and um, I was telling her that I was personally very interested in this information because I would like to probably do this someday. You know, I mean, it's probably in my future um, one way or another or multiple ways. But one thing she said was, you need to change your language. You need to stop saying I would like to and just say I'm going to, you know, and I mean... For someone to say that to me, it's like, oh, yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. I should just be saying that because I will do this one day. I mean, it's it's probably well, I should probably not say probably it's going to happen. And um, I would encourage you to do the same. I mean, if this is a goal of yours or if it aligns somehow with the goal of yours for travel, you know, stop saying I would like to do this someday and just start saying, yeah, this is what I'm going to do someday. Um, so one day I will move abroad again. And I'm, and that's for sure. I don't know exactly how or where, um, exactly that's going to happen probably multiple times in my life, but I will do it. And, um, that's my testimony to you. And I hope that you have the same idea, um, especially with all of these tools. So ready at our fingertips now, you know, and I'm going to do my best to keep bringing them to you to make it possible. So with that all being said, um, take care. I will see you guys next week. Thanks a lot. What's so 
special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.